0: Hi, this is Matthew Schwartz, Executive Editor for Information Security Media Group. I'm at Infosec Europe in London, speaking with Chris Richter, Senior Vice President of Managed Security Services for Level 3. Chris, thanks for joining me today. Uh, Good morning, Matthew, thanks for having me. Level 3, you are handling a lot of internet traffic. What are you trying to do when it comes to security controls and perhaps baking more defenses into the fabric for all of the people who use your services?
1: Well, our philosophy, Matthew, about security is that risks are so widespread, the threat landscape is evolving so quickly that it's impossible for organizations to do it all themselves, and they need to rely on the service providers they work with. Network service providers have a capability to see things, see traffic moving, and establish controls on that backbone Uh, in in a very, very efficient manner, in a more cost-effective manner than traditional security controls can provide within a local area network situation.
0: What are some of the upsides if you can get more of those controls into your network for your
1: customers or people who are customers of your customers? So if you think about firewalls and IDS's and IPS's that are traditionally appliance-based, large organizations are finding, the ones I'm talking to, are finding that they're becoming increasingly difficult to manage, the cost to maintain them is going up, and they create a lot of noise in addition to the cost. So if you've got hundreds and sometimes thousands of these devices and individual controls throughout your organization, it creates a lot of background noise and cost. And the more background noise there is, the less secure that you actually are. By moving those security appliances or that security perimeter to the network, to the network provider, to the extent that it's possible. Extending that perimeter up to the network provider's edge or core, uh, depending on your definition of edge and core, you you can reduce the complexity, which improves security. You can reduce the cost, which ultimately improves security because you have more budget to work with. And you can create a uh, more effective, more responsive security posture because you have more global management controls uh, that can be used from a single portal as opposed to having to log into every individual device from a variety of different manufacturers. I hear that complaint all the time. And you know, when you think about it, we're spending upwards of $80 billion in cybersecurity globally, yet the security situation is getting worse. Breaches are growing costs are going up, the noise level in the background is increasing, the more noise and alerts that you get from these uh, appliances and, and software instances of security controls, the more people you have to hire to manage them, and everyone knows that there's a huge shortage in cybersecurity operational talent. So all of these things are converging to make the situation worse, we believe, so a simpler, more direct, more manageable approach is needed. We've seen in a
0: number of data breaches how there were perhaps signs that
1: the breach was unfolding,
0: but the internal IT team was so deluged with data that they weren't able to see it.
1: Yeah, oh, exactly. Uh, Just within the last year, we've seen uh, major banks and retail organizations absolutely lose the fact that malware is traversing throughout their organization and they're exfiltrating large amounts of data, Uh, simply because they missed the alert uh, with all the background noise. And these are organizations that have huge security budgets and yet they still missed the event. So what that triggers, uh, would a traditional security control work? Well, in most cases, malware was discovered, uh, data exfiltration was discovered, but what wasn't uh, happening was those events and issues weren't triaged to the top of the list for, for high visibility. In the case of one major bank, they didn't realize that they were being attacked unless until they were informed by a marketing website that was hosting one of their marketing programs who had also been attacked by the same IP addresses from Russia uh, as the bank. And the bank uh, was notified about that breach. They went digging through their log files and only then, thanks to the the marketing site that informed them, did they discover that, that something was suspicious they dug a little bit deeper and realized they were exfiltrating a large amount of data. Now, in that scenario, had a network service provider been watching uh, the behavior for anomalies or uh, communications with IP addresses in Russia that they don't normally communicate with, and had they noticed that there was actually data flowing to those malicious IP addresses, uh, they may have been able to triage those events and take note of them a little earlier, or much earlier uh, in this case, and averted uh, uh, what happened. Uh, The same is true uh, of small organizations as well. Uh, A lot of very small organizations have uh, security individuals who have to wear a lot of hats. So having the visibility of a network provider who can keep track of bad actors, known bad IP addresses, and Uh, notify uh, these organizations when their IP addresses are communicating with those bad actors on the outside can be very helpful.
0: We're seeing the number of attacks increase, we're seeing the amount of data, sometimes intelligence, that businesses are struggling to grapple with. At the same time, we're also seeing the rise of many more types of internet connected devices, the so-called Internet of Things. From Level three standpoint, how is IoT changing the security landscape? What are the challenges? What are the opportunities?
1: Well, when we think of uh, Internet of Things, we think about the refrigerator or the microwave or the smart TV that is uh, uh, communicating and, and spying on you or, or, or used in, in some malicious manner to get into your home network. Well, IoT is a huge problem for enterprises today. In fact, uh, last month at the RSA Security Conference, I talked with a, a large, very large corporation, uh, whom I can't name with a number of data centers around the globe and they, were, uh, they found out that they were part, their network was part of a very large botnet, and uh, they, that came as a surprise to them because they thought they had pretty good security controls on their servers. It turns out that their power supply devices, which all of which had IP addresses, were infected with malware, and their power supplies were being used as part of a large botnet that was engaged in numerous attacks. That came as a huge surprise to them. So, anything that has an IP address is uh, a, a peti- potential target um, of either attack or use in a, in a larger botnet
0: framework. So, was that the disaster recovery power supply systems in
1: the event that? The
0: no, power no, these, the these,
1: these were the principal power supplies for all the racks of equipment that they had in their data centers. <laughs> So, And the reason they're IP connected is because you may want to log into them and see if they're alive and, and uh, what sort of traffic spikes. And in some cases you can do a remote power... Uh, restart. Yeah. Restart, yeah. you can. Which would be the ultimate DDoS attack for a large hosting company. You could log into all of those devices and just basically shut them off entirely. And then wait for the battery backup to, to fail. That's
0: a <laughs> slight concern. Right. So were those devices being used, you said, as part of a botnet. They were simply serving requests
1: or handling, they were providing processing power. Right. The the attacker wasn't interested in shutting down the data centers for this particular company. They were interested in using those power supplies as the sources of attack for, for DDoS, malware distribution. It was free hosting space for them. And not only that, but they had very big pipes out to the internet because they were inside of a data center. So it wasn't somebody's home DSL connection or broadband connection. These were uh, gigabits of connectivity coming out of data centers.
0: Well, that's a really
1: elegant illustration of the
0: IoT challenges facing enterprises, because you do hear about toasters and fridges and everyone dismisses it. But you have an increasingly internet-connected enterprise in ways that you don't think about. Right. How do we better manage the increase in these numbers of devices which people don't always think of as being IP-enabled, or if they're IP-enabled, they don't think about how they might be subverted.
1: Right. Well, if those devices are connected, they have to be con- controlled by some entity. Um, at Level 3, we track about a 1,000 command and control servers, and these servers are what control the bots, the individual infected devices. So... A very useful tactic in battling this and becoming just aware of whether your IoT devices are infected is to look at what they're communicating with. If they're communicating with C2s, as we call them command and control servers, and and those C2s are known to conduct malicious activities, then we can notify these organizations that they're probably compromised with, with with malware that has turned their devices into uh, part of a botnet army, or their devices are being used to spy on on the organizations internally. Um, we have uh, just recently uh, disrupted two major command and control networks. Uh, one that was taking advantage of SSH vulnerabilities. Another one that was infecting Point of Sale devices with malware. Uh, we actually. Uh, we actually have a blog posted about the uh, uh, the disruption of those two command and control networks that was just published recently. But but that's one way to do it. We can see the communication paths and we can also see how these C2s are moving around. It's very difficult to establish a, a reliable and effective botnet. It's much easier to move the command and control network around. But at level three, we track many of these command and control networks and then In many cases, we will disrupt the communications between the botnets and the C2s themselves to uh, undercut that malicious activity. To to undercut the... Well, what we like to say is we blow up the bridges between the two so they can't communicate with one another. Chris, thanks for taking the time to speak with me today. It was a real pleasure. Thank you, Matthew. Thanks. For Information
0: Security Media Group, this is Matthew Schwartz. Thanks for joining us.